0: Welcome to MedCurity Live. On this episode, you'll hear our co-founders, Joe Galatly and Amanda Hepper, go over some recent patient privacy news stories in our second edition of Healthcare Headlines. From phishing to business associate management to reality TV, Joe and Amanda will pull something out of each story for us to apply to our lives in the healthcare world. As always, we'd love to hear your opinion of the show, reach out anytime, thanks for listening.
1: Hello, welcome to MedCurity Live. I am Joe Galatly.
2: I'm Amanda Hepper.
1: Today we are going to do healthcare headlines again, where our producer Jordan will throw out some headlines, things going on in our industry, and we'll share a few takeaways, a few points about the story and anything, any lessons learned that we took away from that. So Jordan, if you're ready, hit us with some headlines.
0: All right. so this first one we've got is from the Des Moines Register. It says, data breach leads to unauthorized access to information for 7,500 patients
1: yeah this was another phishing incident and and there's a number of these every week that we could pull in this iowa group had their email accounts compromised through a phishing email and they saw that multiple accounts they didn't say how many had had some unauthorized access people in their email account for a couple months so When that happens, even though there's no clear damages done or you can't tell what they actually did with that information, you have to look through your inbox and say what all patient information could they possibly have seen. And so when they tried to quantify the extent of who could have been compromised, there were maybe some patient lists in there or something like that, they found about 7,500 patient names and all this associated information could have been included or could have been viewed. So just on that possibility, now they're doing credit monitoring and they're working through the breach process. So just the obvious takeaway there, continue to work on phishing education as we always talk about and advise to uh, keep your, your staff very paranoid and aware of what can happen through an
0: email. All right, for the next one, this is from the HIPAA Journal, a data breach for a transportation provider.
2: Yeah, so that one was based in Oregon, and so a Medicaid-coordinated care organization called HealthShare of Oregon contracted out to a company called GridWorks. And so there were several things that they did right, but one thing that happened is GridWorks had an unencrypted laptop that, guess what, was stolen. Yeah. So they had to notify 654,000 patients that their PHI could have been compromised. And so some things that HealthShare did right is they had the right policies in place. They had conducted current security risk assessments, including vendor assessments of GridWorks. But for some reason, a couple of months after that, they had a laptop that was unencrypted and stolen. Mm-hmm. Since then, GridWorks has gone out of business. Yeah, Just a reminder to have the proper business associate agreements in place with your vendors Continue to do the security risk assessments. I mean their penalty won't be as bad as it would have been had they not done some
1: of those things Right, that'll be really interesting because we're yes. seeing the other side when they haven't done those yes. things and how Painful that penalty can be against the organization. So that's right with with all of that in place when the vendor still Takes a misstep like that. It'll be interesting to see what the office of civil rights says That's exactly right. Down the road, We'll have to track that for what five years. Yeah, <laughs> until they make a determination <laughs> or something like that Okay, Jordan, hit us with another
0: one. All right, from threat Post, spear phishing attack lures victims with HIV results.
1: Spear phishing. We'll stay on the phishing track here for a minute. In this case, an attack was directed to pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, and a variety of companies, mm. uh, one by one, that said, we have your HIV results. It came from... Vanderbilt, uh, actual medical center in Nashville, Tennessee, but they misspelled Vanderbilt in these, the from, so that was the one maybe tip off. So they're in, they're direct mailing all these people, they're using their name, they're including a patient information, it's a real simple email with a logo from the medical center that says, see attached for your medical results, and then the spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheet says HIV results. When you open it, it would say enable macros. When you say yes, Instantly, uh, it was Kodiak. There's a Trojan that's installed in your computer that is a uh, actually was used for fighting cybercrime initially. It opens your computer up remote access so people can jump on and help you out. Uh. But it opens your Horrible. computer up for remote access, yeah. So there, it's another example, again, of course, of the emails that you can get that are trying to look real, hoping that at least some section, some selection of people that get this may have that message resonate, and they open it up and proceed. Also, in just industry contacts. So it must have been a compromised address book for somebody who had a lot of industry contacts that were all getting this email at this point. So pay close attention to those emails and stay paranoid.
0: Right. Will do. From J.D. Supra, it says... Solo practitioner to pay a $100,000 settlement. Ouch. Yeah.
2: So this was the first OCR penalty of 2020. And against a solo practitioner, which is interesting, a gastroenterologist filed a breach report in 2013, speaking of timing against a EHR subcontractor that was holding, not letting them have access to their EHR system. That subcontractor said it was because they were owed $50,000 from the solo practitioner. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. The deal is, is that when there is a breach report filed Does OCR just look at the one thing that was in that report? It
1: just opens up the whole can of worms. That's
2: exactly right, and it did that in this case, and it was not good. So they did everything wrong that we've talked about in the past 20 episodes. They had not, this gastroenterologist had not done a security risk assessment, nor did they do one after the breach report. BAAs were not accurate. One thing that you need to do with the business associate agreement is make sure that you have a clause in there for downstream business associate agreement Mm -hmm. so if your business associate or vendor has subcontractors there needs to be a business associate agreement there as well so (laughs) in addition to the hundred thousand dollar penalty and this is not new news to us they have to conduct a thorough and accurate risk assessment they have to have proper policies and procedures and guess who gets to review those it's a two-year mitigation plan and they have to provide hhs with their training plans. So one thing after another after another. So so some takeaways from that is, mentioned one earlier, make sure that you understand who your business associates are sharing PHI with and have those downstream business associate agreements. They didn't do what the prior one I talked about was. So to vet your vendors or your business associates, right, to do those kind of audits is a really smart thing to do to make sure that they're following proper Mm -hmm. practices. Never lose complete control of your data, which they had done. Right, they didn't have the right backups in place and all of that,
1: so. So they didn't want to pay the fifty thousand. So they went to the feds and said, "Hey, help us out <laughs> here." And the feds said, yeah, "You can pay us one hundred thousand and start doing everything correct that you should have been doing in the first place." Right.
2: Oh, right. Ouch. And as we know, that penalty is just a percentage of the overall breach cost. Yeah, right? especially
1: wrap around a two-year mitigation That's plan. That's right. All, and all the, the labor associated
2: impact. with that. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I have a quote. Hardball. Okay. From Roger Severino, whom I love to follow. He's the director of the OCR. He, he noted that the failure to implement basic HIPAA requirements, such as an accurate and thorough risk analysis and risk management plan, continues to be an unacceptable and disturbing trend within the healthcare industry. So, another note it's not just large healthcare organizations,
0: it is so dark. Too. So everyone has to comply.
1: That's why we exist. That's right. We keep, we're here to help. <laughs> here to help with that for sure. All right, Jordan.
0: From Health Leaders Media, it says HHS interoperability rules get mixed response.
1: Trying to pick out headlines that have a really uh, long words.
0: Thank you, job.
1: Yes, so new rules around interoperability that came out on Monday this week. Uh, So a couple of the key takeaways, what that means. So they're trying to make patient data available uh, to the patients, right? So there's an interesting previous story of not even the physician couldn't get it. The patients are now going to have ability to access the patient information from a hospital, from a clinic via an API. There's a little bit of this out there right now, but it's really not widely available. And they're saying 2021 deadline. So some of the resistance here is the physicians offices are saying, so you're putting the cost on us to pay for an API potentially, or we're paying the EMR vendor to create it at least. Mm. What that API means, it's an opportunity for patients to get download apps to um, download and then get their patient information from their care provider, right? So the hope is this opens up a, a bigger ecosystem of apps that allow patients to pull all their patient information into one source and manage it and kind of have control over their own data. Utopia yeah that's what we're trying to get to right it's certainly makes a lot of sense from a lot of perspectives to kind of free up the data it's more an issue of cost and then any organizations that we're hoping to have more control over the the patient information Um, health insurers payers anybody um, in that sector have to do this as well by 2021 and then one other interesting point was hospitals have to within six months they have to be putting out adt so admission discharge and transfer information on all their patients out to the community So every physician that's referred a patient or has a patient that's in the hospital should be able to access daily information on whether they're admitted, discharged, transferred. So some of that exists, but a lot of it isn't available um, and the That's in and amazing
2: for coordination of care, right? Absolutely. So
1: Yeah, so just forcing the care provider's hands yeah. to say the information needs to be out there and we need to have that care coordination ability. So that's in six months. So these are tight timelines relative to past legislation that's come out around information sharing. We're over five years, we're going to tier it up, you know, in this much of each level. And then it changes. Absolutely, yeah. And then shifts, <laughs> kicked it down the road yeah. a couple years. So this is really interesting, really aggressive, and we'll do huge things for over opening up patients' access to their information, which does open up a lot of innovation options around that. We just have the uh, health systems and providers have to get through this transition period and figure out how best to to meet that requirement. A lot of great potential for that. Yes. Anything else going on, Jordan?
0: from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. It says, St. Louis Fire Department's role on reality TV show on hold pending federal review. So there's a reality show called Live Rescue. They go to different cities. So
2: they were in St. Louis and they travel with like fire departments, EMTs, and that type of thing. And so they, they have this film crew and what happened was this woman was in a car accident with her sister and looks up and sees a film crew running at her before she sees the EMTs. I see and, why there could
1: be a problem. Here. Oh my gosh. Yikes.
2: <laughs> I just can't even imagine that. And so her sister's like screaming at the film crew to, to back off, back off. And they, they continued filming this, apparently. It did not go on the show, which has up to 1.3 million viewers a week. It didn't go on the show because they didn't have a consent. But still, that is violating this person's privacy. I mean, you don't want to be filmed when you are in horrible pain. There's precedence for this. There was a civil penalty of $2.2 million awarded to a woman in New York who saw on a show New York Met. Her husband had died as a result of a surgery following being hit by sanitation truck. They blurred out his face, but they filmed the surgery and had it on TV, on this show, and so she saw that and knew it was her husband because she heard his voice. And so he died before her eyes on that, so she got to relive that again. And so there was precedence for not having this type of thing done, $2.2 $2 million civil penalty. So mm. anyway, beware so, of film crews around. And-
1: so live rescue, so that, that, I mean, you could see why people could tune into that and sure. watch things happen in exciting and exciting in real time. But- yeah. Maybe we should do a live breach show, and we'll just—our film crew can follow around that film crew. And like, Look at—they're violating breach of privacy in real time. Or not. Or but, not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. It seems like common sense, but you see why there'd be a market for it, and it's, yes. it takes this kind of enforcement after the fact. People have common sense around what's acceptable and how to get permission before you use people's stories and or like film them. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, stay alert. Stay paranoid. Mm-hmm. And thanks for watching. These are some of the healthcare headlines for the last couple of weeks. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us.